When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I have to say, I am living my best life, I feel, right now. I, as you know, I recently moved to Los Angeles, and I am really enjoying having a car again. Well, you're from Tennessee. I think we, we, we talked about this briefly before. You're from Tennessee, so you, I'm sure you drove around as a youth, but I, I no, had a car for a I lot of learned. my... No? Never learned. What do you mean you never learned? You live in fucking Tennessee. How did you not learn? Everyone in the South knows how to drive. I'm to be driven. <laughs> oh, yes. Driving is lazy. Driving is lazy. We, we talked about this. And I just love having a car again. I just feel free. I feel like I'm not tied down to Ubers. Yeah, I guess I never feel tied down to Ubers. I, well, I, I take cabs, so I'm old-fashioned. What? Like the yellow cabs? Oh, yes. I love them. Oh, no. I don't even have not an Uber account. Cabs. I don't even have an Uber account. So you only take yellow cabs. They don't even have them as much. Like they, they're not even as like they're, they're not around as much anymore. What do you mean? I know, and that makes them so much more exclusive. <laughs> not Buddy creating her own exclusivity about something that no, doesn't even well, exist. You know, really. Uber is not an ethical company, and I had a bad experiences with them the first time. I guess I will get an account because if there's some situation where I'm in Latvia. And they don't have lift, you know. <laughs> uh, I will. I will need to have my butt covered if there's been some, you know, kind of uh, issue with the the booking, and I gotta scram. The funny thing about Uber is in like the UK, for example, because you know Uber. There's regular Uber and there's Uber XL, 
in the UK, they just don't make XL cars like that. So you order an XL Uber, like for example, Patty and I are in the fucking UK, and we have five suit, my five suitcases. Patty has two suitcases, one with merch, one that's his own shit. So between us, we have seven suitcases plus a fucking cat, and we have like all these things, and they just don't. And you call an XL Uber in the UK, and bitch, a fucking Volkswagen Jetta pulls up. I'm like, this is not what I asked for. I asked for a fucking XL. What is this? Yeah, so, but you can't be a bitch. That is an XL to them because they're all compact cars. Yeah, you, know, you need like annoying, a super though. duper in England because they they don't you, you know they're not you know you need like a a, a super duper. You know what? I, I got a bad impression with Uber. I hate surge pricing and people tolerate oh, it girl. now. But, but but when they're the only option, then they'll be free mm-hmm. to do the surge pricing. They don't treat their employees well although it's a lifestyle that suits some people but um you know you don't get insurance with gig economy jobs so you know this is like a a a, this is this is the opposite of moving towards union workers and the strengths that they have with bargaining position for wages or safety you know, uh, stuff or insurance or whatever. So, um, you know, as, as a lefty, I, I support the unions. And th- this is kind of like you're on your own, you know? Well, the, well, the problem, I, I know what you mean. Like, I, I'll never forget. I'll never forget. This is like three years ago. I had like, I don't know what time in my life it was, but it was like three years ago. And I was coming from like somewhere downtown. I want to say like in like Chelsea or like somewhere in like the 18th street or something like that. And I had just come. No, you know what it was? I was by B and H, and I had like all these like big, big things like electronic things and the whatever. And I was calling an Uber, and then I opened the app, and it said, "Due to surge, due to like uh, high demand, your price is going to be up two hundred and fifty percent." I was like, two hundred and fifty percent. I was like, that is insane. So the Uber would normally cost me like forty eight bucks. It was going to cost me like a hundred and something bucks. It was I, I cannot believe that they that they that they could ethically fucking charge you two hundred and fifty percent more for this goddamn ride. Which, mind you, who knows how much of that actually goes to the driver? That probably all goes to the company. The driver probably sees a, such a small percentage of it. It's gross. Yeah, it is gross. But once they imagine how their surge pricing can work when they have driven all of the yellow cabs out of the area, or when they've been given a no bid you know, contracts so that Lyft or a competitor yeah. can't eat with more ethical prices. I mean, you know, it's like this is people laugh at me, but I complain about the the how all of the chain drug stores, CVS and Walgreens, and mm-hmm. now they're half of half supermarket. You know, they want you to go and eat there and, you know, yeah. uh, you know, b- b- buy all this other stuff there. I mean, it, they have a whole section of like snacks and sweets. And meanwhile, grocery stores are closing down. So when enough of those grocery stores, and obviously they have a much wider selection at the grocery store of fresh produce or, you know, mm-hmm. a, they don't, you know, a pie uh, uh, shell, you know, the, you know, frozen yeah. goods and stuff like that. So once the, the Walgreens and Dwayne Reed's and CVS's have all that stuff that other stores close and those other stores close, just like Uber, they can charge whatever they want. Girl, they sure can. They can do whatever they want. And that's the why the the, gov- the government's meant to guard against you know monopolies, and occasionally they'll break up a phone merger, 
you know, AT&T or or something, because it's just not fair. I mean, some would say they want to break up the, 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 the social media merger. And when Facebook, uh, bought WhatsApp, we were actually going to discuss that early on. They, they bought WhatsApp and they already have Instagram. So it was just determined, is this too big for one, you know, major player to be? Yeah. Because when you start uh, yeah. buying up things like WhatsApp, that just indicates that, you know, you don't necessarily want WhatsApp. You just want nothing. You don't want anything else to exist. Yeah. To compete with you. Yeah. Should, should you and I buy WhatsApp? Uh, well, um, I've spent the change that my parents give me for sweets this week. <laughs> Well, that being said, today we have a fun episode. We have Dan Matthews, who is the senior vice president of PETA. If you say so. <laughs> I know he's my friend, right? No, he's, he's, he was for years, the, um, well, he started as a receptionist at People for the Ethical Treatment of Animals. Then he mm-hmm. uh, you know, began to do a lot of their campaigns. He was their campaign manager. So famous campaigns in print were I'd rather go naked than wear fur, which included mm-hmm. Wendy Williams. I don't know if Naomi did that campaign, but she did one with them, Pamela Anderson and, you know, many other notables. I mean, he's known for his eye-catching campaigns. And, uh, you know, it's one thing to talk about, do you eat meat or do you not eat meat? But there are so many other uh reasons to think about not eating it not eating it as much right you know it's connected to the the farming of it is connected to uh worsening uh the climate crisis there are all kinds of antibiotics and pumped into the meats now um you know uh that are not healthy for humans to eat yeah, Dan is known for heading PETA's most controversial and attention-getting campaigns, including, I asked him, I don't know how young you guys listening, but I know some of the older heads definitely know, because there's also an iconic scene in Sex in the City where they're at a fashion show, and someone throws red paint all over Samantha, so Peter, Dan used to be those girls at the fucking, the Gucci show, at the Balmond show, at the, at the, at the Dior, at the, at the um, Gautier shows, throwing fucking red paint on models, getting arrested, like Dan been Dan been about that life, so it's really interesting. Oh, to talk no, to him he's about. been arrested all over the world. All right, work. So let's get into the episode, girl. With first, we're gonna get your calls about diet and exercise. Um, so let's hit it. This week, like Bunny said, we spoke to Dan Matthews, and he told us about this Beyonce. Uh, veg challenge where she like challenge because I didn't know that Beyonce was vegan. I was like, oh my god, my queen and Jay Z. I was like, not Jay Z's hood ass from fucking Marcy Project talking about I'm vegetarian. To me, that's just so funny. I'm like, 
whatever. What? So Beyonce had this like veg challenge where she was like, do it for three weeks. Because they also say this, anything you do for 21 days becomes a habit. So then, so Bunny and I are gonna possibly, well, we said we're gonna do it, but now it's like, oh my God, do we really have to do it? But let's take some voicemails. Any any of your questions, comments, and concerns about, uh, or your thoughts and opinions about, about veganism, aka vegetarianism. Are you vegetarian? Do you want to stop? Do you just love meat so fucking much? Anyway, we would love yeah. to know your thoughts. Are you did, will will you never swear off a delicious steak, or have you moved on to seitan steaks and soy? <laughs> Girl, Everything. we ha- we have so we have some calls. Let's let's take some 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 of your messages. Bitch, I think I have like negative metabolism, Monet. Like, I can see some other bitch eating and all of a sudden look at myself and I've gained five kilos or like five pounds, as you guys would say. It's crazy. It's Ali from Patreon. Yeah, I feel that too, girl. I feel like if I don't work out every like I the reason I work out every day, people are like, oh, girl, you, you go to the gym every day, blah blah blah. I was like, yeah, I go to the gym to counteract all the shit that I eat. Like if I did not go to the gym every day, I would literally balloon. Like I have a bag of chips and I have a fucking some French fries, so I go to the gym to work that off. So I ended up I end up just just staying at what I am because I'm working out and eating bad shit. What what is this Jim thing that I keep hearing about? <laughs> His now, name is okay. Jim. He's hot. Oh, now now this last caller was saying that they could be with someone eating the same amount of food and uh the they would gain weight, but the friend who was eating the same stuff would not? No, I think I, I think he's saying that all he has to do is just look at something fattening and he has and he gets fat. Well, please don't look at me, darling, and thanks for the call. <laughs> <laughs> Let's take another one from this is D. Oh yes, I love D. Um, well, I want to start by saying, hey, Bunny, hey, Monet, I love you both. My question is mostly for Monet. I'm not sure if you smoke, Bunny, but I'm a heavy <laughs> smoker, Monet, and I heard you do too. Girl, does like. What am I trying to say? How do you like control the munchies? Like when I smoke, I eat like a fucking pig that ain't ate in three days. Like, do you have any tips on that? I do. I do. Oh yeah, Bunny. What I are your tips? Because I yeah, I agree. I have a tip on that. Yeah, it's to, so that your your eating does not increase when you have the munchies after smoking weed, and it makes you eat like a pig. Here is a simple solution. Eat what? like a pig when you're not stoned also. <laughs> oh, my God. Yes. No. You are welcome. <laughs> you are welcome. He didn't even call to talk to me, and now he knows why. No, no, you can ask him. <laughs> no, no, I agree with that, too. Like, when I smoke, I get, like, the crazy munchies. And normally I smoke in the evening time. I'm not, like, an all-day smoker. If, if I smoke, it's, like, in nighttime, evening time when I smoke. And then I would, I would have just had dinner. And then I would go and smoke, and then I'm like, oh, bitch, I want some fucking popcorn. And I sometimes I can help myself, and sometimes I can't. Like, it's, I, I identify that, and I, don't, I genuinely don't know how to stop it. And it's very fucking annoying. Well, I was great for the past. And Bunny smokes a lot. Y'all wonder, Bunny smokes. Bitch, Bunny's a fucking chimney. Oh, my God. Is this one of your, some of your street lingo? <laughs> <laughs> Bunny smokes a I, lot of weed. I have been known to partake 
since the seventies. <laughs> really? So you you used to smoke weed in the seventies, Benny? Of course I did. Really, Ed? See, I just I, I I imagine it being so hard to get at around that time, or was it not? Well, when you are just cute as a button. <laughs> so not you. Got it. Let's take another call. Speaking of relationships with food, I've seen some moms potty training their kids using like candy, like M&Ms. Like, yeah, you use the bathroom. Now you get an M&M. And I feel like that could definitely cause a very unhealthy relationship with food. Like, yay, you use the bathroom. You get more food. Like, I don't know. Oh, oh my God. It, that is bizarre. It, 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 Especially if it's chocolate fudge and they're saying, here, poop now and you can have more chocolate fudge. Here, poop now. It just gets faster and faster. And you're just, no, I've never heard of that. That's clearly. I've never either. Uh, that's not good. That's, that's a road to diabetes. Yeah, that is Sugar crazy. <laughs> I mean. No, 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 ma'am. That's not, that is not good at all. That's wild. That is wild. Thank you for that, for that I note. I wonder where uh, she was yeah. calling from with that tale. Maybe it's something that we don't know about. Maybe. I mean, this, sound, this, this sounds like some, it sounds like some very, <laughs> this sounds like some very uh, millennial, uh, genera not genera millennial, some fucking Generation Z shit. This is like some new shit that pe that people are doing. Oh, well, I'm, sh I'm surprised that I wouldn't know of it then, being very <laughs> turned on and hip. <laughs> Let's take another one. Question. For f us foodies, because I'm a foodie. Monet, I believe you are also a foodie. How Ooh. do we maintain like i guess our weight so like or even just lose weight when food is so good and um impulsiveness is a thing and even if you are exercising you know but sometimes for certain people like myself like you really have to go ham with the diet like you have to just eat fucking grass and that's the only way you'll and exercise five times a week but it's like i can't live like that consistently so i try to eat intuitively but it's like i don't know how i'm just not going to like not gain weight you know what i'm saying i feel well, this so that, hard yeah I, well, with I, that I, attitude, I agree. you're not going to lose weight and take it from me the fattest person on the chat <laughs> <laughs> i agree i agree that shit is so hard like food is so good and again like like i was saying earlier like the, the way that i can maintain like I, I'll, I'll i'll like maintain and lose weight very slowly and it's by going to the gym every day and when i say every day like i like i i'll go to the gym i go to the gym about five days out of the week and i do a lot of cardio every time to balance out the amount of calories i have had in in fucking spicy because right now i'm on this spicy nacho dorito kick oh spicy nacho doritos are so fucking good and i just keep on buying them eating them and i will say something that did help me to be a little better is it's so simple and it's so so simple but it's just by not buying it like bitch if you don't buy it you can't eat it so that's oh, so what you're that's stealing how I, it now 
So you're stealing. Okay, <laughs> let's put an alert in uh, Monet's immediate vicinity. Lockdown <laughs> on all of the spicy Doritos because Girl. she is no longer buying them. So we know <laughs> that since she will be eating them, that she will be stealing them. <laughs> <laughs> do you do how do how do you um, combat cravings money do you just like what do you do do you know my, my mother can sound a little bit country sometime and one time she told me um when i was talking about i never really liked chips and i never put salt i hardly ever put salt on my food and she said we, <laughs> we never were salty mouth people <laughs> <laughs> That's salty mouth people. I thought that was so cute. I thought that was so cute. I never heard it before, but um, yeah, I, 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 you know, I mean, I didn't. I, so I will clearly like to eat, but um, yeah, I'm the same at night. Um, you know, we had, we at night you want to eat. I mean, I can be, I can eat so lightly, like a hard boiled egg for breakfast and then nothing for hours and then mm-hmm. you know a small meal but then by the time i hit the hay i'm wanting girl. something heavier girl yeah wait come and pass some food on this plate yeah that, that's that's yeah. a tree song let's see we have we have time for one more let's take this, this one last call okay i was actually thinking about this today before i even was listening to the show is is cum vegan? What do you think? I I genuinely am curious. Is who it vegan? It depends on your diet. Wait, what was the question? It depends. Is, is, is cum vegan? Oh, that's a, that's cum. A, that's a, are you not familiar with that word? That I <laughs> I thought I heard that. I was like, She's trying to am act. I just dirty? <laughs> uh, you and your callers, okay, our callers. Yeah, well, I guess it's vegan, uh, even though it it, 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 I guess it's more vegan if you eat only vegan diet, and then that's the cum that you dr- guzzle. <laughs> I mean, I have heard for a long time that cum allegedly has like a lot of protein in it. I don't know how true that is. People love to say, oh, how cum has uh, uh, all this protein in it, and who knows if that's fucking true. They also like to say that it tastes like asparagus. Oh no, I have had bad cum before. Like when you say t- when you when you taste cum and the dude uh, clearly smokes like a lot of cigarettes, that shit tastes like someone took a fucking bowl of chalk dust and mixed it with some water, and then added just a little bit of evaporated con- condensed milk to it. And they were like, "Here, drink up." That shit is fucking disgusting. I hate it. I hate it. I feel like there's a song coming on. <laughs> a song? A, a, about nasty cum. Should we write a song about nasty cum? Who's that drinking that nasty cum? <laughs> <laughs> Who's that drinking that nasty cum? <laughs> nasty cum. Who's that down on your nasty knees? <laughs> <laughs> uh. 
So, listeners, we're ready for our interview, and I am thrilled to introduce a long-term friend who just happens to be the campaigns manager for PETA, People for the Ethical Treatment of Animals. I think he may have a new spot uh, now. And he's also the author of a new book about his times with his mom called Like Crazy. Please welcome Dan Matthews. Well, hey, thanks for having me. Hi, Dan. <laughs> How are you? Good. Good to meet you, Monet. You you. This this is my first time ever meeting you. I'm 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 very I've never done any work with PETA, but obviously everyone knows about PETA and I'm big fans of the work you guys do for animals. And welcome to Ebony and Irony. What Thank is you your, kindly. What is your current spot? At, are you like the VP or the you, you moved up since what I announced you as? I know. I think we knew each other when I was the receptionist back in the 80s. Work. <laughs> uh, now I am senior vice president of campaigns, but I still have Sunday morning voice at noon still. <laughs> <laughs> and you're still very receptive, if you know what I mean. <laughs> yes, we're all, all adaptable at PETA. That's part of our tr- trademark. And you were coming to us from Portsmouth, Virginia, with your yeah. at the home of you and your husband Jack. Yes, me and my husband Jack and my sister Patty is visiting this weekend. It's uh, uh, been a lively weekend here. Everybody's vaxxed or half vaxxed, and everybody's starting to spread their contagions anew. That <laughs> you know, I have always so I my first big PETA thing I remember. Well, not, okay, well, not big PETA, well, not the first, but one of the big, like, PETA things in my head that I remember is the big, because I was a big Wendy Williams fan, like, when, like, she first came, uh, her first week, her six-week sneak peek she did back in the day, and I remember that um, her campaign, that was on a big billboard in Times Square, and for those campaigns, the I'd rather go naked than wear fur, do, do these celebs come at you, or you guys are like, Wendy, we know that you like animals, do this campaign. How does that all work out? Well, you know, it's funny the way it worked out with Wendy. I love Wendy Williams, and I asked her to attend one of our events in New York, and she couldn't attend, mm-hmm. but her rep said, she loves your rather go naked than wear fur campaign, and why don't you do one with her? And when I picked myself off, off the ground, I said, are you kidding? <laughs> so, um, we shot hers and it was like she was on the floor at Studio 54. We yeah. had this whole like, 70s look. Yeah. And we shot it and then she launched it on her show and she had Jack and I up there to uh, do an unveiling with her at Times Square and she talked about it on her show all week and it was just fantastic. So uh, in a sense, we came to her, not with that idea, but then she came back saying that she would love to do that campaign. So we love yeah. the Wendy. And didn't her husband have some, an interesting take on the on the shot itself? Oh, he didn't like it. Um, I think he liked it. He was fine. I, oh. I thought he said, "Thank God she's showing her body because now everyone can see that she's not a man." <laughs> oh, 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 oh my fucking god! Um, so so Dan, so how did you how did you first start at PETA? Where obviously I'm I, I I'm I'm I will go out on a limb and assume that. She, you like animals, but how did you get your start over uh, at PETA? Well, you know, I actually started with a gay bashing. I always loved animals. Oh. I brought in stray cats from the street. When I was in junior high school, uh, my parents had split up and we'd see my dad during the summers and he would bring us fishing. And I always went out of obligation because it's your dad. It's the only time you have together. You go fishing. And so I, I always felt bad about it, like especially when you hook live bait and you, you know, you take a minnow and you shove a hook down his 
uh, uh, yeah. to his gills, throw it in the water, and then you can feel their pulse racing when another bigger fish is chasing after them. And I thought, this is sick. This is the dictionary definition of sadism. And I was being beat up for being gay in school, and yet I was doing this to another creature who didn't ask for this kind of treatment. Mm. Um, and so it all came to a head one day when I was, uh, somebody punched me in the stomach between classes. I don't even know who it was. And I was heaped over on the ground, gasping for breath. And all these kids were just looking down and laughing. And a few weeks later, I went on a fishing trip with my dad and I caught a big, heavy fish. Everybody thought it was gonna be a trophy prize. And when I yanked him onto the deck, it was just a big, ugly flounder with two eyes on the side of his head. And um, everybody just started laughing because it was like a joke fish. And somebody yanked the hook out of his mouth and he was bleeding. Uh, his, his eyes were bulging out of his head and he was just gasping for breath with blood coming out, looking up. And all he could see was a bunch of people standing around him laughing. And I thought, that flounder was me two weeks ago. Now I'm the bully. Fuck mm. this. I'm no longer going to be a part of this violence. And so I stopped eating fish first, which is usually the last thing to go for people that go vegetarian. But it started for me like that, just out of the ethics. And, um, you know, I, I learned more about factory farming and pigs and cows and, uh, and all that stuff. And I just thought, I just don't want to be a part of this. So I became vegetarian back in 1980, 81. And then I went to uh, college in Washington, had my own animal rights group on campus and started uh, working at PETA when I was uh, 20 years old in 1985, fresh out of college. Nice. And so uh, I w literally was the receptionist and I answered all the mail, but I always had ideas because I was from the MTV generation and I knew these you know, punk bands that would, like Nina Hagen was one of my friends from the early punk scene in LA. and. I got to know the Go-Go's and the B-52's and uh, so Chrissy started Hind. Chrissy Hind, yeah, pretenders. And I thought, you know, it's great that we have all these investigations and undercover cases, but a lot of people are just not watching the news. They are watching MTV. They are a part of pop culture. And I wanted to have our organization be more of a pop culture uh, organization rather than just doing these investigations. So. Nina Hagen wrote the song, Don't Kill the Animals for us. Mm -hmm. We did this big Rock Against Fur concert with the Sugar Cubes, you know, Bjork and uh, PM Dawn. And uh, we did the Fur as a Drag shows with Lady Bunny and um, Boy George and uh, Lee Bowery and all these really cool figures back in the um, late 80s, early 90s. And Lily Savage. Lily Savage, yep. And well, just, well, I mean, you're, 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 you being for the ethical treatment of animals makes sense. Your friendship here with Lady Bunny, because you want to be ethical to her and make sure no one harms <laughs> this pig in a wig self -proclaimed. But he doesn't want to eat me. So we're not very <laughs> close friends. Hey, hey, Bunny, who does? Oh, good, good point. Good point. Um, so, so, you know, you, you deal with all kinds. There's all kinds of reasons to be a vegetarian from health reasons to you saying that you were grossed out by the fishing thing and then you learned about uh, meat production. Could you talk a little... Well, there's also people who go vegan. I get the impression because it's trendy now. Well, from, from when I went vegetarian in the 80s, that meant that you could have chocolate cake, salad, and french fries. That was all you could have. This was before <laughs> the Beyond Burger, the Impossible Burger... There's the vegan revolution. You can go to any grocery store, even deep in the wilds of West Virginia, near where you grew up in that holler, Lady Bunny, 
and you can <laughs> find vegan options there. <laughs> so it's become really easy now. It's great. Mm. But um, I didn't do it because of health. I did it only because of ethics, because I, the idea of an animal being killed and and uh, skinned and, and fried up just to me was gross. So that's why I did it. But then you learn more about it. And of course, for the environmental reasons, the only reason we have all these droughts out West is because they have diverted rivers for water for animals, animal agriculture. These animals have to eat a lot of stuff. They have to drink a lot of water. They're kept in really awful conditions and pumped full of drugs, which then when we eat the meat, we eat the antibiotics that they've been force fed and we the antibiotics don't work as well on us as a result. Right. I firmly believe that us eating like, well, I, okay. I, I have two theories. I feel like microwaves and also meat and, but, but again, but even with like the beyond burger and stuff like that, I feel like they pump that with like full of shit too. So it's like, no matter, it's like you're damned if you do damn if you don't, obviously ethically you want to like help out these animals, but I feel like they put shit in fucking beyond and impossible burgers too, to fuck you up. Well, the thing is that beyond and impossible are not dead. Of mm. things and the thing sure. is that when it's when it's a live animal that is has to be kept alive until it's big enough to be killed and and, and yeah. carved into meat they pump that the biggest the biggest consumer of drugs in this country is not uh the Lady Bunny. Club kid, is not the club kids of new york <laughs> it is <laughs> the animals on farms because they are kept in such miserable conditions the mm. beyond the impossible all the veggie things they are not living organisms, so they never had to be pumped full of drugs to be kept alive. Uh, and there was a big 60 Minutes expose that, uh, that last year about how pig farms no longer even allow health inspectors on their premises because they document how much drugs the animals have been given, which then make humans resistant to antibiotics. And it's one of the reasons why people get so sick when they would antibiotics would otherwise help because they're eating meat that has been pumped full of these drugs. And so it's just another gross reason why um, why it's yeah. just a bad idea. Well, well that's why some... I don't let inspectors over into my apartment <laughs> uh, to see what drugs I'm on. Unless they're Latino. I, unless they're oh, Latino. Oh, don't you tell my tales on an international podcast. Um, but to tell us a little bit more, I don't think people quite grasp this because everyone is like, yay, Greta. Thunberg or Thun, I can't say it. And, um, you know, oh, yay, global, uh, I mean, let's fight the climate crisis. And we believe in science, the Democrats will like to say. And then, you know, it, it really, you don't believe that much in science or curbing, you know, emissions if you are uh, eating especially red meat. Is that correct? Yes, because it, it, no matter where you go, like for instance, in Australia, they have the, the sheep industry. That's where the sheep trade is uh, for, for uh, meat as well as for wool. Sheep are not native to Australia. The sheep they imported there were from Spain, from the hill countries mm. of Spain. And they are not, and they have ruined the environment of Australia. They now kill thousands and thousands and thousands of kangaroos every year because the sheep farmers deem them uh, annoying for eating the grass that is meant for the sheep that they imported there and has ruined the environment. So there's just, there's that, there's of course the emissions, there's the water usage, there is, um, you know, the animals are killed and skinned for leather. There's all these toxic chemicals they have to seep the, the, the leather in so that it doesn't decompose, which uh, are, you know, improperly disposed of a lot of the time. So it's just a, it's just a bad idea all around. And I think, um, 
now we, we, we can see there's so many alternatives. It's easy to be vegan nowadays, which is uh, pretty phenomenal. Yeah. But what is the exact connection between the, the meat production? What, what is the way that meat production harms the environment? Is it the amount of water used? Is it the, the cows farting methane? What, what is it? It's all of the above. So let's say you've ever been to Maryland or Delaware, the Delmarva Peninsula. That's where Absolutely Purdue. Never would never go. Absolutely not. Well, that's uh. where all the <laughs> that's where all the chickens are raised, uh. and the Chesapeake Bay used to look like the Caribbean a few hundred years ago. Really? Now that now that bay is dotted with chicken farms, and the chicken shit has phosphorus and all these other chemicals in it that has contaminated the groundwater. It's all run into the bay, and the bay is now a shit post, a shit, uh, you know, like the, the water is so contaminated that it's choked off a lot of the life that used to live there. And that's all from the chicken farms. So mm. um, that's the Chesapeake Bay story. But then you go to any other uh, state where there are waterways, the Colorado River is now a trickle because it's been diverted so many times to for feedlots for the animals that it's, it's, uh, it causes all the drought. So it's, it's uh, so many different ways that environment is fucked by the meat trade. Well, if someone were horrified and hearing this and say, I didn't know the connection between global warming and, um, you know, meat production, I, I eat meat, but what can I do to be better? And I know this isn't going to be PETA's, you know, main thrust because you want people to stop eating meat. But I mean, if they stopped eating red meat as you stopped eating fish early in your, uh, you know, dietary d restrictions, I mean, would, would that help? It does help. What There's a lot of different ways people do it. Beyonce and Jay-Z have this challenge to their fans, which I think is really effective, uh, which is a three-week veg pledge. You go vegan for three weeks. They have recipes. They have all these different, um, uh, you know, health, all information about health and the environment. And they say that if you just go vegan for three weeks, your taste buds change enough that it seems normal to you and you lose your cravings for meat and you eat much less of it, even if you don't go completely vegan, although many people do. Uh, Bill Clinton went vegan. Uh, Beyonce is vegan? vegan? Yes, Beyonce and, and Jay-Z both. And they have this great three-week uh, veg pledge that they ask their fans to take because they feel so much better. She's, uh, Beyonce said the only way she was able to ace that Coachella show was being vegan three months out. Well, I guess if Beyonce will do it, I guess I'll do it too, damn it. <laughs> yeah, try it out. I if mean, you look at the, the three-week veg pledge, it's really... Okay. It does make it. What, what are the main uh, dietary things that make meat unhealthy? Is it the chemicals, as you say? Is it the fat? Obviously, meat has a lot of fat. So the only carnivores uh, among the animals are felines. You know, cats, tigers, lions. They have very short intestines. Us, we are omnivores. We can eat either or, but we're, our bodies are much better suited to being vegetarian or vegan. Because when we eat a piece of meat, our intestines are so long that it takes a long time to digest that meat. That's why people get obese when they eat a lot of meat. It also, the, the meat secretes a lot of toxins in your system, which are what cause cancer, which is mm. why we have a much greater incidence of cancer in meat eaters than in uh, vegans, because it just takes so long to get that shit through your body. Uh, and so that's, uh, those, are, those are two of the big you know, physiological reasons. That Got makes it. sense. I, I've often been 
complimented on my extremely long intestines. <laughs> <laughs> so there is there is a new law banning on wet markets, and you know, you know, they're saying that wet a wet market was the source of COVID, and um, there are some outside of New York. How 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 can we? assist in the dismantling of these wet markets well and, and we tell to... us a little bit about uh, tell us a little bit about your understanding of the wet market scenario in wuhan china that covid sprang from well i think we have to dial it back um even before covid because wet markets are responsible for uh hiv sars all these diseases. really yes uh, it was uh, eating uh, African green monkeys in, in Africa. That is what uh, first led to HIV jumping from primates to humans. And the, uh, the what they call the Spanish flu from 1918 did not start in Spain. It started on a chicken and pig farm in Kansas. It was only called the Spanish flu because the Spanish was the first country to report on it. Um, oh. uh, everybody else was so worried that it would uh, inhibit their plans for World War One. But um, and then of course so, in wait, Wuhan. Wait, just to, just to clear this up. So, so the 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 Spanish flu, which is the most, it's referred to during coronavirus as the 100 years ago, the most similar thing to coronavirus that the U.S. has experienced in terms of a health pandemic. And wh- how did it happen in Canada on a farm with meat? In Kansas, yeah, it was Kansas. it was in Kansas. And Kansas is where a lot of soldiers were training, and then they would go mm. all over the world to fight World War One. And so it was spread all over the world by uh, soldiers who were eating chickens and pigs from a farm in Kansas where the, the, the virus started. Every time we have the flu, even just the basic flu every year, you, they will call it the swine flu. They will call it the avian flu. That means it came from pig or it came from a chicken, mm-hmm. usually in Asia. And it mutates when it makes its way west. And that's how they adapt the flu shot every year. The coronavirus is no different than that. It jumped uh, from, in this, in this case, from a, a, a wet market in Wuhan, from uh, bats and pangolins, which are wild animal delicacies. They're captured in the wild uh, and killed and slaughtered alongside fish, alongside chickens uh, and other animals. And that is how the virus left to humans. And we see this over and over again. It's always from animals. And it's a, a virus that doesn't make animals so sick. It just It's like a, a cold for them. But when it jumps into humans, it's deadly. And that's the same. it's the same thing as... HIV, uh, it's, it's all these things are called zoonotic diseases. And we're really happy because this week, the World Health Organization finally echoed PETA's call for a ban on wet markets because that is the easiest place for these pandemics to be launched. But they can also be launched in a typical slaughterhouse or in the wildlife skin right, trade. Right. So, and so, still have so, that effect. So in theory, if, we, if the world was vegan or vegetarian, uh, HIV, uh, Spanish flu, and COVID probably would have never happened to us. And SARS, yes. All of these Gag. diseases, they're zoonotic. So really in our own self-interest, if we want to survive as a species, is if, we, if we want to thrive and not have to lock down all these businesses and not be able to travel, just leave the fucking animals alone. That is all you have to do. It's very basic. You don't have to like animals. You don't have to love animals. You don't have to find them cute. Just leave them the fuck alone because otherwise it is deadly. Yeah. I mean, it's a great time to make that point because, um, you know, I don't remember the Spanish flu of 1918. RuPaul would. Um, but, <laughs> you know, obviously it was a, a big 
deal like the current pandemic. And, you know, AIDS was, of course, a worldwide, you know, pox. Uh, you tried to hog all that virus all for yourself, Bunny. I know, but that is, I wanted to share, you know, my infectious sense of humor. But so, th- I mean, we th- the coronavirus has knocked us to our knees, and we are not anywhere near uh, able to get back up again. I mean, I don't in so many fields, from you know what Monet and I do uh, to you know, event planners, escorts, hairdressers, waiters, mm-hmm. um, you know, businesses that sell certain products, you know, uh, people who design wedding gowns. <laughs> I mean, this is, this is, uh, mm-hmm. th- 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 this is a good time to get that message out to shut down those wet markets. And a wet market is just what, like an, an outdoor, um, place where they where different meats touch or they're not kept a wet market is called wet because it's where they kill them there you can pick a bird you can pick a bat you can pick a pangolin you can pick a a chicken uh if you you, you pick a fish and they kill them there and it's the blood mixing and all these interspecies bodily fluids mixing uh and then uh, jumping into humans that's how it happens but the same thing happens in regular slaughterhouses just in a bit of a different way the spanish flu what, what they call a Spanish flu started not in a wet market, but just a normal chicken and pig slaughterhouse mm. in Kansas. Okay. Something to think about as we struggle to get back on our feet after this Rona. I know. Plus, plus it's like it's just a more healthful diet. I used to be fat enough in high school to be called Shamu in swimming class. And I went, <laughs> veg- I went vegetarian and then vegan. I dropped 40 pounds, never gained it back. And I, I see a lot of my friends from high school, they'll like send you a Facebook friend request and you think, oh my God, that must be my friend's parents. But no, it's them. Meat ages you. Meat is just weighs your body down. It's just not, it's not healthy in so many different ways. And it's, yeah. uh, it's easy to get rid of. Yeah. I would say do the Beyonce challenge of three weeks and then see where your taste buds are. I'm dead serious. I'm going to try Bunny, should we do it together, Bun? I'll try it. I'll you try should. it. I'll send you both the details. It's really fun. It's really yeah, easy. Yeah, yeah. I would say I want to. One of I want to go back to the heydays. Or oh, I, I, I miss putting like opening my. Uh, well, back then, uh, my uh, MySpace or whatever, and seeing pictures of fucking PETA activists taking red paint and throwing them on models. That shit would. It was a kiki kaka every time. I fucking lived for it. I want that to happen again. <laughs> Sandra Bernhard called it the sexiest part of Fashion Week when we used to disrupt the shows. Oh my! Were, wait, were you like, were you? Did you used to be like one of them? Hell yes! <laughs> I've been arrested. I've been arrested in many countries, uh, mostly in like Milan, Paris, uh, New York. Um, but that but was that has time to do with your drug use, not either. <laughs> <laughs> we um, yeah, we used to disrupt all the fashion shows, and now because I've been with PETA for. Uh, 37 years now. And we did a lot of that, in, especially in the 90s. And the designers have finally stopped using fur. Almost all of them have stopped using fur. And That's now when great. I go to Milan, it's to meet with Armani and Versace and Prada, all of whom have dumped fur, and share, share with them the new materials like mushroom leather, cactus leather, all of these new cactus things. Cactus leather, mushroom yeah. leather. 
Yeah, mushrooms are not just magic. They also make leather. <laughs> I, I had I've a dress, a skin tight dress made out of mushroom leather, leather, but there wasn't mushroom in it. Get it? <laughs> I'm about to say, bunny and skin tight things, no one wants to fucking see. All right, let's just start oh. there. The oh present my. nobody wants to unwrap. <laughs> well, so so when you were arrested in Milan and like in like the so okay so you, some of those cops were hot, honey. I, I was about to say, you. yeah, I was about to say we would be lined up to be arrested, and there would be uh, a few different cops processing you. And you can better believe that I would step behind somebody to get the hot cop and frisk me. Now, when so like when you're at, so you 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 show up to the to the fashion show, you throw the paint, you get arrested. Are they are these like international cops nice to you? Or are they like this motherfucker is fucking our shit up? Or are they like sweet? No. Like, well, like the funniest time for me was I dressed as a priest to uh, uh, <laughs> take over a fashion show in Milan because. It's such a Catholic country that they're not going to fuck with a priest. So, and I do speak Italian because I, I lived there when I was a teenager and I actually used to model there in a, in a former life. So, uh, but taking over a runway show dressed as a priest, the security guards were afraid to tackle me because they thought, oh my God, how am I going to tell my mother that oh I tackled my a priest? God, and I, I, had on, I had on these fake reading glasses and I glowered at them like, don't you fucking touch this man of God. Uh, and then... <laughs> And they finally did tackle me and drag me down three flights of stairs and all the press came along. And it was, uh, you know, I feel like PETA is a charity. We don't have, you know, we're not selling a product. We are, you know, just get donations. So I, I think it's good to let our adversaries spend hundreds of thousands of dollars on a big show. And then us just to take away their thunder by disrupting it and call them out for the, the cruelty that is the base of the fur trade or, or, or you know, the mm -hmm. leather trade. And we might end up in jail, but it gives us a worldwide platform. So um, it's fun. I've never minded being arrested. I quite, I quite like it. Well, speaking sure. of uh, PETA and religious imagery in <laughs> Italy, one time Dan and I went to the Vatican together, <laughs> yes. and I was in drag. They, they were not morally drag. Ah, Joanne Morley Dragon. Well, they wouldn't let you in if your arms weren't covered. So I wore a long-sleeved dress and a wig that could only be described as Miss Alina. Um, <laughs> and, and we did get in. Uh, you know, it was like a busy tourist day. And then uh, when the tourist thought that my beauty far surpassed that of old Michelangelo's paltry paintings, the security came over to get rid of us. And we were like, come on, let's get out of here. But we were actually escorted out of Vatican city limits by the Swiss guards, and it was so hilarious. But not got, in, go ahead. Bunny got on her knees to admire some of the gorgeous man statues there, and the Japanese tourists were clicking like you can not imagine. <laughs> but but no, before we got out of the Vatican's yard, um, I'm sure there's a proper name for it, um, a, a guy, like a very excitable Italian guy was like, in, with a garbage truck was like uh, was like honking his horn or whatever and very excited so I ran over and took a few uh, pictures with him and then we went to the Coliseum and one of those big brutes dressed as like a gladiator had clearly been up for days and you know straight people <laughs> use poppers in Italy so there was I mean, he basically smelled you know like poppers and that's when I got on my knees to look under his skirt <laughs> 
The best thing is when we were being run out of the Vatican, Bunny was shrieking, why is the Pope the only man allowed to wear gowns in church? (laughs) 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 Tell us about some of your other wild adventures on these campaigns, because um, you've worked a lot with Pamela Anderson. I always love the tale when you got some, it wasn't a PETA event, but you'd gotten some paths to go to a football game, and they gave you both necklaces that said <laughs> talent so that you could go anywhere in the, the stadium. And they someone at security said, oh, you don't need to wear that, Pam. She said, I want people to think I have talent. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, we're really lucky. I mean, um, PETA has, you know, any... Any pressure group, you're you're you have to be in the public eye. The minute you are invisible, you're losing. And this was the case with ACT UP. This is the case with um, any any charity, any with with feminists. Mm-hmm. You've got to constantly be relevant. And a lot of the press, they will get bored of just covering the issue based on the cruelty involved or what have you. So you have to get. You know, we've had people like Pink, um, of course, Pamela Anderson, mm-hmm. um, Alec Baldwin. Uh, so many different artists over the years, Bill Maher. B. Arthur. B. Arthur, all the Golden Girls, in fact. Um, and it, it just has helped PETA reinvent ourselves every year in a way that it feels fresh to people because there's a new personality being involved. And that's been part of, a lot of that has been my job to try to recruit people like this because, you know, we just, it, it's you just get a lot more. We're asking a lot of people, we're asking them to change the things they eat, change the things they wear, buy products that aren't tested on animals. A lot of it is like a lifestyle uh, issue more than politics. So we try to have a lot of personalities involved who emulate that philosophy. And people think, oh, if Pamela Anderson's vegan, she can't be doing half bad. I better, I I should try that myself. Mm -hmm. Or if like these models like Christy Tarlington or Cindy Crawford uh, are doing the I'd rather go naked than wear fur campaign, it suddenly taints fur. I know, Bunny, you get excited whenever I say the word taint. But, um, yes. <laughs> but uh, so a lot of the, you know, the celebrity game that we play is really because it's an aspirational uh, is- issue. And people can see that when, you know, you can have this thriving style vitality without being cruel to animals. I'll do one. I'll do it. You know what? I, I'll, I'll, I'll forego my campaign and give it to Bunny. I would love to see a naked centerfold of Bunny um, being naked than wearing fur. Bunny, would you do it? <laughs> well, I mean, that photo would instantly be, I mean, I could be naked, but it'll instantly be covered with cum. Well, Bunny, there's lots of <laughs> people <laughs> make posters of it, jack off. Bunny, there's me. a lot of, there's a lot of fonts that have really large, uh, letters. So we could, <laughs> yeah, we can definitely cover you up. <laughs> oh, wait a minute. Oh my God. Utica, please give the phone back to Dan Matthews. Dan. <laughs> now, what's, what I will say is like, um, you know, I, I talked the story about how I, you know, having that fishing trip making me go veg, but I really owe most of my animal rights activism and philosophy to my mother. My mother, uh, always brought in stray cats, always had us, me and my brothers bring in cats. She always had a really deep bond with animals and she never was able to maintain a lot of long-term relationships with Mm -hmm. people, but she certainly did with animals. And I moved to Raina her last years and the book that I have out now is uh, about looking after her for her last five years. It's called Like Crazy. Little did I know when I moved her in that she was an undiagnosed schizophrenic. Wow. And she exhibited 
uh, you know, all, her love of animals was very, very pure because the she did, the animals weren't talking against her like she thought people were. She had, you know, a lot of these, uh, you know, paranoia, hallucinations, things like that, things like that. But she was a very smart person and she was a very witty person. Bunny and I have traveled with her uh, before. Uh, and uh, when as soon as she was diagnosed, I read every skit's memoir there was, and they are all pretty dismal and dire and don't have really happy endings. And my mom being such a funny person and such a brilliant person and such a, she was very, uh, uh, she, she passed. She, she fought her whole life to not hear the voices, to not succumb to the mental illness and end up in an institution. Uh, and I, I thought she was a really great survivor, uh, you know, making it into her 80s before being treated. And that's what the uh, the new book is about. She's also just a fucking hoot. A scream. Uh, Total yeah. scream. Really? Yeah, I, I'm so glad I got to hang out with her. Um, and uh, so at what point, what age was she diagnosed with schizophrenic? And how did that diagnosis come about? Because I work with so, someone... Hint, hint, who I'm afraid might be, you know, a little. <laughs> well, she was, as we were growing up as kids, she, there was always times where she just went into this different mindset and she was seeing things and she was here and, but she would lock herself down and we could see the struggle that she had with herself. And because she grew up in orphanages during the depression, we just thought it was baggage from her childhood, which she hardly ever talked about. It was only when we got older, of course, I fled the home at 16, moved to Italy and, you know, all that stuff. But she was so great that I felt bad when I got into my 40s. I thought, well, you know, she looked after all of my friends who got AIDS. She was always the, the selfless person. Um, despite her mania, it's probably my role to look after her now that she's getting into her old age. So I got this old dilapidated 1870 house that I'm talking to you from right now, uh, moved her in. And I would come home and find that she was having full-on conversations with people that weren't there. And I thought, oh, that's nice. This is what old age is, is you just have these hallucinations. They were very uh, friendly conversations. But then the conversations <laughs> got darker, and she thought people were dying. She was light lighting candles all over the house for people that she thought were dead, like my brothers and my dad. And uh, it just she just spiraled out of her mind, and I had to lure her into the senior psych ward, which she would never go see a psychologist. She would never see a shrink, never, because she knew once she was uh, uh, diagnosed that she didn't want to lose her kids, lose her job. So she just bluffed her way through life. Uh, but when she started really losing her marbles, as she got into her 80s, she didn't have the physical stamina to block out the voices anymore, as she mm. had done her whole life. And so she started having this pretty spectacular breakdown, which is all documented in the book and I got her out of the house. She wouldn't go to the uh, doctor at all. So I pretended like we were going to the new Krispy Kreme that had just opened up and we were gonna get donuts. <laughs> and a donut gets that bitch out of the house. So I it got her in the car under the lure of going to Krispy Kreme and brought her to the ER and uh, was able to check her into the senior psych ward where she was for a few weeks. And that's where she was diagnosed as schizophrenic. And um, wow. I was really lucky to have so many friends I live a few blocks from the Naval Hospital here in Portsmouth. There's a lot of PTSD cases. We're friends with a lot of a lot of those, um, you know, recently discharged soldiers, and uh, just it opened my mind to the whole spectrum of, of of mental illness and especially schizophrenia, which is so misunderstood. Uh, it does not, you know, people that are schizophrenics are not violent. They're actually less violent than most people, 
because they're in their own world and they're afraid. Mm -hmm. uh, they get pushed into corners in which they will sometimes be violent, but that's very, very rare. And, and um, what? And why did you decide to write the book? Like, so obviously you you wanted to share these memories with with your mom to um, to your supporters and fans and all those folks. Well, I wrote a I wrote a a book called Committed. It's a PETA memoir. It's about how I went from being you know gay bashed, least popular person in high school to an international crusader for animals, yeah. and it sort of charts PETA's growth. Uh, and everybody's favorite character in that book was my mom because she was the one who really got me started on animal rights when I was a kid. Mm -hmm. uh, and when I reread that book, it's clear that she's schizophrenic, even though I don't identify it. Mm. Um, but she was just so odd and so uh, outrageous. Uh, and so in, when I moved her in to look after her, as soon as she was diagnosed, I read all these skits memoirs and all of them were so tragic and dire and none of them had happy endings. And I thought, you know what? I lived with a woman who was one of the most hilarious, witty, uh, intelligent people uh, and who, who fought off the voices and somehow managed to survive despite this affliction. And I thought it would be good to write a memoir about somebody going through that who was able to keep it at bay. And even if she was diagnosed late in life and finally got the meds and was able to die in peace without the voices uh, tormenting her, that I thought that would be a really good story for people to hear because a lot of people, when when people are, are schizophrenic, they all none of their friends want to be a part of their lives. They just lose everybody. Yeah. Uh, their you know uh, there's their kids will change their names to elude them, and I thought there just needs to be a, a story that is of somebody who is highly functioning during that uh, ailment, and and you know there's a lot of different versions of it. Plus, a lot of the books, it was like this person was diagnosed at age. 21 and they were observed in this institution. I lived with the bitch at home for her last five years and have many more personal tales to tell than just visiting somebody in an institution. Mm -hmm. uh, and that's why um, uh, I was really uh, lucky. The Atlanta Constitution uh, called it the top book, top Southern book to read this last fall. It's been um, picked up by Netflix uh, producer to turn into a movie and that's amazing gonna... and it's, it's, it's about costume parties road trips uh hurricanes blizzards uh, exactly. all, all the things yeah and it's a very like it shows how small town america embraces not just the gays but the schizophrenics and you know portsmouth is a pretty that. small town but there's you know ex-cons shipyard workers nate we've got every like every kind of person under the sun uh that uh, lives here and they were all really helpful with my mom. My mom used to urge me to bring friends home from the bars when they closed it too, so that she had a social life. And so <laughs> that is re <laughs> that is reflected in the book as well. So it's uh, yeah, it's a fun uh, read. You and also, you, you, I mean, you also had um, you you because of your offbeat personality loved you know relaying things to me that your mom had done you know even before you lived together that that were nutty so i mean it was great that you know you could take her in and and you know someone who could appreciate her and, and like you say make it a happy ending so what what is the treatment that she got late in life for schizophrenia and and at what age was that uh that was not until she was 82 and the treatment is a drug called Risperdal. And the reason why a lot of schizophrenics historically have refused to take the meds that make the voices disappear, all schizophrenia is basically is your body produces an excess of dopamine. And when you have too much dopamine in your body, signals coming from one part of your brain to another part of your brain 
get mixed up, they get diluted, they get lost in the dopamine. And so you are imagining things happening that aren't true. This drug Risperdal um, it evaporates the excess dopamine in your system, but unlike previous drugs uh, in years gone by, it does not deaden you. A lot of the, the skits drugs before would make you a zombie and mm-hmm. you would have no energy to do things. You get fat. Uh, there's just like you lose all of your energy. And that's why people wouldn't take it. But this new drug, uh, Risperdal Constant, uh, would make the voices disappear, but not deaden you like a zombie. And that's why she was able to have uh, a lot of peace in her last year. Well, I guess Bunny has been on a lot of skits meds because, honey. <laughs> Um, Bunny does. Bunny does appear in the book. Uh, there's a chapter oh in the book. There's a chapter in the book in which I reflect about you know the the, the nature of schizophrenia and it's the history of the disease and and and, and all of that. And uh, I I was thinking about Bunny told me she went to her psychiatrist once and she said uh, the psychiatrist said Bunny do you ever hear voices in your head in your head and and Bunny said. Well, yes, doctor. And one of them just asked me if I ever hear voices in my head. <laughs> <laughs> and then I said, uh, she said, do you ever see things? And I looked over her shoulder and swatted some imaginary thing away and said, uh, no, no, I don't. Oh, my God. <laughs> You're so, a fucking so mess. You, so this is what I think is so outrageous. Um, y- so you always knew that your mom was kooky. You didn't know that it was uh-huh. schizophrenia. And, you know, as I say, you relayed things that she said to me, like, you know, this is this is how kooky she was today before she lives in her before she lives with you. Then she moves mm-hmm. in with you. And there were some, you know, fun times. But then you I mean, I mean, was it obviously I know your sense of humor and I know, you know, that, you know, you were dedicated to to being your mom's caretaker, you know, late in life. But at what point was this like, OK, I'm moving mom in and then like. Oh my God, she's schizophrenic. I mean, were there just, were there just little hints? I mean, were there, were there moments of panic? Because you seem it doesn't really seem like there were. There were lots of moments of panic, and I think the only reason I really got through it because when you're schizophrenic, you will often take out your fury on those closest to you, which of course would be me. Mm-hmm. But luckily, I met Jack, my boyfriend, the year after I moved my mom in, and he was an orphan like she was. They were you know, they were both adopted. Uh, kids and um, he had a really great rapport with her and so he was kind of able to talk her off the ledge a lot of the time and I think without Jack I I don't know that I would have had the happy ending that it did Um, and so I think also uh, the community we had our our friends our bartender friends our ex-con friends our tattoo artist friends our stripper friends this whole community came to you know take part in our household you know we had constant parties things like that and because she had so many people that cared about her, I think she was able to get through it a lot more easily than people who are locked away in a room with no interaction. Mm-hmm. And um, that is what I was able to bring, was a house that was very, you know, like a social hub. And that really helped her a lot. But when she was diagnosed in the senior psych ward and, uh, and I got her out, I had, you know, plenty of friends that would come over and, and, uh, and, and help look after her. But it was, there was, there was spooky things. Like I, I think this, the spookiest time was um, when she thought everybody was dying. And I had this um, nephew who had a brand new baby, Vivian, and they sent a group text from the hospital with a picture of, of Vivian. And this was during the time when my mom thought everybody was dead. And she got the text of the newborn baby at the same time as I did and said, oh my God, dead Vivian, I'll send them all our condolences. And she started texting back. 
I'm so sorry that your baby was born dead when the baby was fully alive. (laughs) And I had to grab her phone from her and turn (laughs) off her internet because she was basically telling everybody that they were dead. And it was just terrifying. What about about the time that she snuck ground beef into your lentil roast? (laughs) Wait, what? (laughs) I'm kidding. That was another thing. That was another thing. She was vegetarian (laughs) since the 80s like me. And so... So it was easy, you know, we had we had that whole bond. Uh, but yeah, she did go off, you know, lighting candles all over the house for people that she thought were dead. And she, I, one of them was for her friend, Helen. I said, what happened to Helen? We just talked to her last week. She said, oh, you don't even want to know. And I said, I do want to know, let's call <laughs> her right now. And I called Helen and Helen answered. And I said, mom, this is Helen, she's not dead. And she said, I don't believe you. Uh, so it got really, it got really wild before she got I'm, di- diagnosed. I'm sensing, Dan, that your mother's mental health issues did not die with her, <laughs> because in the way you enact these schizophrenic scenes with your mother, uh, the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. Well, it's actually a really good point to bring up because. Schizophrenia is not a specific gene, it's a collection of genes. And my mom's mother was a, I believe, a much more violent schizophrenic before my mom Mm. ran away from home. My mom, I think, had a watered down version of it and she had such a great intellect and a sense of humor that she was able, able to overcome it. She also had, she was quite deaf most of her life. And I came to realize that that deafness was self imposed because she tried to not hear any of the voices and therefore could hear very few of other voices, even mm-hmm. though it was kind of spotty. Um, and I, I Is think- Is that why she hated my singing so much? <laughs> <laughs> she loved you, Bunyan. Um, we all went to Miami once for White Party Weekend. That was a, a blast. Wait, uh, your but, mom? Yes, and, and Bunny oh, oh, was there. I remember that. Oh my <laughs> God. That actually Bunny sounds kind of fierce. She, she was, and there was a, uh, there was a, a, a time where I dated this escort for six years, uh, this guy that I was going out with who was a, a prostitute. And when I finally confided in my mom what he did as a living, that he was an escort, she said, Danny Lee, don't you ever refer to him as a hustler. Just say that he's in real estate and manages a very large rental property. <laughs> <laughs> so there's loads of lines like that throughout the book. She was really, really clever. I love yeah. that. Oh my God, Dan! What a what a what a lovely life you 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 live. I'm I I, I hope to have one day as many lovely and beautiful anecdotes about my life as you. I'm sure you will. Well, folks, I encourage you to check out Dan Matthews with Dan. one T. His <laughs> new book, like crazy, about some crazy <laughs> times that he spent with his schizophrenic mom. The book is a hoot. If you're interested in PETA, it's PETA.org. They welcome volunteers, donations. <laughs> you know, uh, they sell merch, you know, whatever. And Monet, are we going to try the Beyonce, Jay-Z uh, veggie pledge for three weeks? Yeah, I'm definitely down to try. I really want to try it. I, 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 I'll send I, you guys. Do. Yes, please. I'll send you guys. The, there's a, a, a Marco Borges is the guy who who runs that part for them. I will send you guys the whole outfit, the recipes, everything. Is there a website? Maybe some of our listeners would try it with us. Is there a website that 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 info is on? 
Um, it's on the PETA site. I, I can't think of Marco's specific site, but I'll send it to you guys, and maybe when this posts, you can uh, put it up. Okay. Okay. Sounds All good. Right. All right. That's great. Yeah. Wonderful. Because we would not only would we like to be performing in an iconic manner like Beyonce at Coachella, <laughs> we would just settle for just a booking on a side stage at Coachella. Honestly, so perfect. Yeah, that seems like the way to go. Thank you so much, Dan. Thank, Thank you, Monet. You. Thanks, Bonnie. See y'all soon. And that was Mr. Dan Matthews. What a delight. Yes, very informative. Do you think we can do this fucking veg challenge? I don't know. Bunny, I really, I really, and I, I feel so shady saying this after Dan is gone, but I just fucking enjoy meat, bitch. I had me some sesame chicken from this dope ass Chinese spot around here. And like the fact that I could never have that ever again, I'm like, oh my God. But how? Well, three, weeks is, three weeks is never again. Uh, obviously, look at me. I'm not a testimony to willpower. When it comes to diet, <laughs> diet or exercise, and I mean, you know, we could try it. Uh, you know, after putting on so much Corona weight and not exactly being thin before yeah. the virus, uh, I, I'm I'm eager. I, I have been dieting, so but honey, when you've been building up, you got a lot of breaking down to do. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to get rid of my stomach. I just want to get rid of my fucking stomach. So like, as literally, I want them to chop my stomach off completely and then put a wire like a hose from my mouth to my ass. So as soon as I eat, it just literally goes out. Could this wire on your mouth uh, forbid you from speaking? <laughs> you love that, wouldn't you, bitch? You yes. love that. <laughs> it's making you come. Well, thank y'all for tuning in. And um, I guess Lady Bunny and I will chat with you guys next week. Yes. Can't wait. Podcast Network.